0: Go Be Great, episode 21, brought to you by the folks at Hardo Sports. What a weekend it's going to be. It is Wednesday, November 23rd. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Could be the best five days in sports history, folks, starting tonight. Um, If you're interested in college basketball, there's a lot of college basketball on right now. with feast week. I was just watching the end. Of Arizona and San Diego State in the semifinal of the Maui Gym Classic, which the championship will be later on today between Arizona and Creighton. Um Phil Knight Invitational has a bunch of really good teams in there. Villanova, Iowa State, my North Carolina Tar Heels playing Portland, Alabama, Michigan State, Yukon, Oregon. So a couple of ranked teams in there, a couple of teams that are not ranked like Oregon and Villanova that are typically involved in the festivities in March. So get to see a lot of tournament teams early on here. Uh, The battle for Atlantis is another good one. The Phil Knight legacy has Duke on the other side, also in, in Oregon. So a lot of college basketball going on the next few days as part of feast week and some preseason tournaments, obviously Thanksgiving football one of the greatest traditions, I think, in sports. Um, I personally, later on tonight, will be chasing history with the New Jersey Devils. They'll be going for their 14th straight victory. And that will be a franchise record should they win later on tonight with the Maple Leafs. So, hopefully... uh. We can pull that one out for him. The building has looked electric in these games that I've watched. I've watched, you know, I've watched. A, I'm not going to say that I've sat down and watched the full game straight, but I've definitely sat down, watched some portions of periods. But more so, I feel like I, I slot in as a casual hockey fan, very similar to how people who are casual NFL fans will will lock into those 10 15 minute YouTube videos and feel like all right well I saw all the good action of the game didn't miss what I don't understand and all that stuff and I f- still feel like I I can grasp what happened here I've tuned into a couple of these YouTube uh like highlight videos I've you know you had Tomas tatar with a rebound he caught it and when he was dropping it hit it in midair and made that goal on top ten in a game earlier this week in the in the thirteenth straight win. So fired up for that one. This will be the first of at least two Devils games for me uh in the next two months. Probably gonna be closer to four. Um so shout out to my boy Spez. Feel like I gotta shout him out because you can only say thank you for free tickets like so many times before it doesn't feel like it does justice anymore. I mean, you know, me and Spez just together have been this year alone. ALCS game three. Obviously the Yankees had a tough loss there. Um we went to Houston and New York Yankees early or mid June when Aaron Hicks hit the three run walk off home run. Uh so that was a bonkers, bonkers game to go to. Unbelievable. Um, we also went to a Subway Series game, and previous seasons in the past have gotten the opportunity to go to Yankee Stadium for free, sit in some beautiful seats, get some food. Um, so shout out to the Spezaferra family, always, always taking care of the boys. And we will be basically on the ice for this game, so... Hopefully, like I said, we can pull it out for the Devils, and uh, and they'll be moving on with 14 straight against the Maple Leafs. I think the NHL record is 17, unfortunately. Uh, I think the way it works out is if, if should they win on Wednesday? The next two games are Friday and Saturday, one of them at home, one of them at the Garden against the Rangers. And then, so 17, I'm not sure who that would come against, but we'll see if they can get there. I mean, like I was kind of saying in the last episode with 10, like there's no way that you go out on the Canada trip and sweep both Canada trips if you're not good. There's no way you're, you know, 14 or going for 14 straight if you're not good. It's crazy because this season, from my understanding, the Devils were upset that the coach was, Brought back uh, Lindy Ruff. They wanted him fired. They were booing him at the beginning of the season. Now the arena is chanting, sorry, Sorry, Lindy, or sorry, Ruff, something like that. So crazy how the tides have turned. I mean, listen, if you win, everything can be forgotten. I think uh, the top three line of um, Nico Hesier, Jack Hughes, and... I'm going to mess this kid's name up on the Devils for sure. But he has come in and really provided a spark with this team. Jesper Bratt. So I didn't mess it up. So a good front line. There's a couple of other guys that I personally don't really know much about. But have been getting on the board in almost every game. I mean... This kid Sharanjevich, I saw had a couple of good plays and a goal in the game against the Oilers Monday. Um Dougie Hamilton was a big signing in the offseason and clearly has helped this team out. So good vibes on a young team winning. Like I said, you don't win 13 by accident. So I think regardless of what happens in this game, the Devils are gonna be great. This season, I think, regardless of what happens this game, I will be bought in as a Devils fan for the rest of the season. um, And it should be exciting. Bergen Catholic, my high school, will play Don Bosco, 6 o'clock at MetLife Stadium on Friday night. And I know that maybe uh, if you're not from the New Jersey area, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But this rivalry is got to be the best high school rivalry in all of high school sports. I think it's number one. Um, I think it's better than most college rivalries, like the hatred on both sides. Once you start as a freshman, there is unbelievable. I remember when we were in high school going out, you know, we went to baseball games. We went to soccer games. We went to hockey games. We went, I mean, I'm pretty sure people celebrated. Obviously, you couldn't go to the courtroom and win. I mean, and cheer, but they celebrated beating Bosco on the mock trial team. Like it it was big to beat the other side. Uh you always wanted to have the upper hand, especially just generally as a class. Like, you know, there it was definitely a record being being taken. Like, all right, we got you in football but we got you in basketball, but we got you in hockey. So like uh it's it's a big one. It's the one you dream about if you're from this area. Like you dream about getting to the final game playing on Friday night under the lights at MetLife. It's looking like it's going to be a rainy game. Shout out to Bergen cuz when I was in high school, we didn't make it to the to the championship one time and since I've left 2018, they made it and won. 2019, they made it and lost. 2020, they only lost one game. It was to Bosco on the last play of the game. The playoffs were canceled due to COVID. And then the last two years, made it last year, beat Bosco on their way to an undefeated championship. And this year, Bosco beat Bergen the first time, so it should be a good one. Overall, Friday is going to be a great sports day. You have England and United States in the World Cup at 2 o'clock. Obviously, for the local people, Bergen Catholic, Don Bosco, 6 will be awesome. There's college football. There's college basketball, those two days, so a lot of stuff going on. Saturday is the beginning of rivalry week, or the completion I should say of rivalry week in college football so that'll be pretty exciting and then sunday you finish up whatever week of the NFL we're in i guess it's now week 12 so it should be pretty exciting i know that i'm excited for the world cup game regardless of what happened with wales um it was it was rough i you know I'm going to get into the World Cup in a very short segment right after I give you the rest of what's going to happen in this episode, and I'm going to do a top five list of things that happen on Thanksgiving. I was going to do food, but I don't think, you know, that would just be a personalized list for me, and it's based on everybody's different cultures and what families like to do on Thanksgiving. I I wouldn't think... Me making a list of what I like would really be entertaining, but top five events or things that happen on Thanksgiving, I like that. Uh, we're gonna go into the World Cup in a very short segment, like I said. After mostly just to talk about the things happening there, uh, the big upset: Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia, um, and a little bit of the United States game. Like I, I was gonna kind of really go into the world cup like each group do its own episode but the more that i really looked into it i realized like all right if people really want to know about the world cup they're gonna find it from someone who really knows what they're talking about not me just trying to you know show people that i can cover everything um i can cover it i don't want to cover it in a way of like oh, I think this team is going to do this or whatever because I don't really know what I'm talking about, right? Like, to me, I watched the USA game. The offense looked pretty good in the first half. I, from playing American football most of my life, know what it's like when you play conservative offense in the second half of a game with a lead. It's usually pretty tough. I thought the United States did a really good job in that game in the second half. They brought a lot of guys back. They didn't really play too aggressive on offense, played a really great defense I thought there was really only one chance that Wales put put forward that I thought oh shit that's going in and Matt Turner the goalie made a great save. But um you just can't take a penalty on a on a cross. Where Gareth Bale, the best Welch player, is going away from the goal like you just can't you i I know enough in soccer that to know that that's a brutal play, and for that to be the equalizer and for us to lose two points that way um when you when you probably needed three there because you can beat Iran, but I don't think you could beat England and with six points you're absolutely in, but with four it could be tough. We'll see what happens, but um yeah, tough. Tough way for for USA to, to end up in the draw, but um like I said, we'll very quickly cover the World Cup in terms of what else is going on there. Um we will do the New York Jets because I'm sorry, Giants fans, I didn't see much. I can't say that I'm surprised that the Giants lost to the Lions, the Lions have been playing better. I am a little bit surprised that that game didn't stay close because uh, the Giants have executed things very well this season. And I I didn't really realize how injured they really are. And unfortunately, I kind of think... I don't want to say that the great start was all for nothing because it's not. But I do think that the wheels may have came off the bus too much for the Giants to keep it up. Um. Their schedule down the stretch isn't too bad. I mean, this week will be tough. I know that they have to go. I'm not sure if they have to go to Seattle, actually. So maybe we'll check in on the Giants' schedule when we bring up the Jets because if you're a Jets fan, I I know for me personally, that was the roughest game I've ever watched as a fan of this team. And... I've only really been a a big fan for the last seven or eight years, but holy crap, man, a 10-3 loss on a punt return as time expired. Um, Just just a a real bad loss. We'll talk about that loss, how we can move forward from it, and the whole Zach Wilson starting quarterback controversy that has now arisen from it. Um, A very small other segment on baseball because I just want to talk about the two top dogs in New York are on the market. Um, one team seemingly will not go after the other team's top star, but the but my team, the New York Yankees, clearly doesn't care as much because they went and got Jacob deGrom's medicals. So we'll very quickly talk about that. Um, and then college football. Last week was pretty nuts. Had one blowout uh, of a top five team. A couple of other close games for the top five teams Um, and so we'll recap it real quick talk about how the the rankings look going forward Um, and what I think we we might be looking at here um, with the final ranking after the championship week which will be not until about December 5th or Yeah, I think the last ranking will come out December 5th or 6th. Whichever whichever day that is a Monday there. Or maybe after Championship Saturday it comes out on a Sunday. I forget, but I know that it will be around that date. So kind of give my thoughts on where I think the rankings are going here. Um, And last but not least, we'll do the picks. The picks were brutal last week. I went 0-2-1 in both college football and NFL to bring the records to 15-4-1 in college, 8-18-3 eight, in the NFL. I will warn you before the picks start, you're getting every NFL game. You're only getting a recap or a, a real preview of the games that are on, on Thanksgiving, and then I'm just going to rapid-fire the rest of them. And I have about five college football games that I will also give you so let's do the rest of the episode folks I'm fired up like I said it's going to be a great five days and I'm pretty much touching on each day uh, you know I touched on tonight like I said there's the devils let's let's go devils Uh, there's college basketball if you're interested and then we've got We've got football for the next four days, and we have the real football. If if you're asking a soccer, a real soccer fan, you've got the real football going on with the World Cup. So, um, let's start with the quick World Cup segment because I guess the rest of the episode will kind of be football, and we can do the Thanksgiving ranking right after. Um, it kind of seems like. The World Cup in Qatar is a operational disaster. Um, they're not selling alcohol according to the laws of the country, which they are strictly based on the Islamic Sharia law, which does not allow uh, your worshippers to have alcohol at all in any capacity. So they made the decision two days before the tournament started. No alcohol, only non-alcoholic beer being sold. There are some tents where you can like get beer maybe, but it seems like a bad operation in that aspect is obviously you have to imagine they could have made a lot of money off of that, which could have helped. Um, you know, people kind of expecting to go there and have a good time. Uh and, and they didn't didn't get to buy alcohol, obviously. That's really not the biggest problem here right now especially when you consider the fact that the way these stadiums were built was with a lot of unpaid hard labor where people unfortunately actually died in the in the process so all in all World Cup not selling alcohol not the biggest deal but you have to figure that if you bought tickets to go to this event you thought that you were gonna have an easy time. And you haven't. That's not one of the only things that has happened. Um, FIFA, because they are being probably pressured by the Qatari government, taking stands against homosexuality. Um, I know that one team, and I believe it was Poland, had love on their jersey. They were asked by the FIFA president by the FIFA presidents to take it off the jersey. Um the country also has strict rules against homosexuality, which is why things like the you know rainbow flag were going to be banned, but they voted that it it won't be um from the jerseys and stuff like that, but there are also reports of people that were wearing you know rainbow attire that weren't allowed in the stadium. they were told they had to switch to their shirts, so um. Not great in that aspect. Uh, I did see reports that the FIFA ticket app crashed and people couldn't get into the United States game. Um, So that, no good. Um, To get into some of the stadiums, the Fox reporter Jenny Taft is in Qatar right now, which means she won't be at the game on Saturday in Ohio, unfortunately, because she is one of the best Sideline reporters, uh, in the game right now, I believe, but doing an awesome job out there in Qatar, getting, uh, you know, all the all the scoops for Fox, but she had to go into a different gate to get into the stadium. Women are going in one gate, men going in the other. So it just goes to show you that things are a lot different in this world than some other places. Um, we are very lucky to have. You know, freedom of speech, uh general safety going, you know, this would be the biggest news in the country if if uh you know you couldn't wear a rainbow flag into MetLife Stadium on Sunday for the for the Jets game or if they weren't selling beer or you know some of this other awful stuff just that's happening in the country otherwise, so um one cool little thing I guess if we're staying on the topic of like you know the World Cup as it pertains to world events the Iranian team played against England on Monday morning and they didn't sing their uh, national anthem I know that in American sports like the national anthem plays and like some guys don't sing some guys do sing obviously with Guys not, you know, appearing out of the locker room for it or in the case of Colin Kaepernick, kneeling or whatever. Like, that doesn't happen on this on, in, in, uh. I don't want to even say soccer because I know that it's not called that in most other places. But in the World Cup, man, like, when they played the, uh, I forget if it was the first game, when they played the, yeah, it was the first game. It was Ecuador versus Qatar, and I don't didn't see the Qatari national anthem. But man, those Ecuador guys—they were—it was like the biggest thing to them to get a, to be able to get onto that stage, representing their country, and they wanted to show it. And that's like a big tradition—you sing the hell out of your national anthem right before the game. Iran, obviously, there's a lot of awful things going on there. Um. I encourage you to read about it if you don't know about what I'm what I'm talking about um, but a nice stand to to show solidarity with with the people of the country and not the government hopefully they will be um safe when they when they return because that is a serious stand against a government that does not like to be shown up in any way so um to kind of get off now the the world issues surrounding the World Cup. In terms of what's going on in the tournament, uh, some good action so far. England has looked the most dominant out of any team so far with their win against Iran, 6-2. United States will have to play them on Friday. I already mentioned the U.S. game. Thought they were Pretty good on offense. Tim Way, his goal was a great through ball by Uh Pulisic. I always say his name wrong. I don't think I said it wrong there. Um, but like I said, a bad slide tackle by Zimmerman in the eighty-third minute. Gareth Bale goes top right. So did Matt Turner, but he still got beat. Um, and now U.S. is up against it with two more games in the group stage. Um. But the biggest story in terms of things going on on the pitch, Saudi Arabia upsets Argentina. It's basically the biggest upset in the World Cup's history. Um, Argentina obviously has one of the best soccer players of all time and Lionel Messi on the team, as well as just an overall very good team. Um, I think they were ranked third in the world rankings. Uh so for them to lose to a team, Saudi Arabia, who's down there at 51, uh, definitely unprecedented. I think they were 2200 on the money line to win that game, uh, you know, pre pre kick. So, you know, Messi scores a, a penalty shot within the first 10 minutes of the game. It's one nothing going into the half. Uh, You know, no Americans are awake for any of this, by the way, because the game started at 5 a.m., but. You know, to score two goals in 10 minutes the way they did, I only really saw the second goal. But like, this is moments like that is what makes sports so great. But what makes this sport specifically and this stage really specifically so awesome? Like, those guys, every single one, every single team, every single player, you work your entire life for that moment. Like, you only get four. Maybe, if you're lucky, you know, some of these teams don't make it every four years, but you only get one, two chances to be in this tournament in your career. You know, and that's if you're a top, top player, like for Saudi Arabia to to draw the Argentina grouping to play them first. Like, that's basically like, all right, we're here to like, participate. Awesome, great. Like, the fact we made it is awesome, but you know no way now they have a real chance to advance to the group stage like which is just crazy and if you kind of go onto the internet find the i would highly encourage finding the video of the saudi broadcast uh because they absolutely lost it uh you know the the guy who scored did like a little Round off back handspring, he probably couldn't feel his legs underneath him while he did that. It probably felt like he was floating. Uh, I can't even imagine what that could have been like. But the Saudis, man, putting putting the world cup on notice that they're here, they take down a great team. You know, they have, like I said, they have a decent chance now. I think Landon Donovan, when the United States was playing, was saying. If you win the first game of your World Cup, you advance like 82% of the time. So they would have to lose both of the next two games, I think, to not make it, which would also be pretty crazy. Like, like you know, they had such a great and all they needed was a, a fantastic 10 minutes against Argentina to pull off a win. Well, now I think the rest, the other two teams in the group, you got to just be one of them to make it in. So, um. I guess that would really conclude my World Cup segment. Like I said, I would have went into it more in depth. Actually, believe it or not, I was going to pick two teams to win. One of them was going to be Argentina and the other was going to be uh, the Netherlands. Uh, my friend Miles, who was a career soccer player and got a full ride to go to Syracuse, said that the Dutch, not not a great pick. Um, and... Clearly, Argentina. Who knows? You know, like I said, with Saudi, they'll probably have to win out to get into the world stage now, or into the knockout stage now. So we'll see what happens in Group A. Uh, creating some some excitement early, which the World Cup is never short of that. So we move on from from the world sa uh, a world football. Excuse me to to American football, and if you, you know, for as exciting as what's been going on in Qatar on the pitch, it was just an absolute disaster what was going on on the American football field, uh, specifically in New England on Sunday. The Jets lost 10-3 to the New England Patriots. The losing streak goes to 14 And the Jets find a new way to lose. Um, Jets defense played outstanding. I know that they allowed 250 passing yards to Mac Jones, but they only allowed three field goal attempts, and the kicker only made one of them. So uh, we're in a 3-3 game at the half. Nobody scored in the second half. The Jets defense really tightened up after the half, I think um you know no turnovers but a couple of fourth down stops a lot of punts um a lot of sacks as well i think they sacked mac jones about 6 times so the defense i think for the jets is showing like it's not just a good defense it's a defense that with an average quarterback and an average offense could legitimately be contending this year and I don't just mean for a playoff spot or, like, like they they are that good that I feel only against one team would we still be like, oh, shit, there's no way we could beat this team, and that's Kansas City. And everybody should feel like that right now against Kansas City. They have the number one quarterback alive in Patrick Mahomes. They have the number one tight end ever, Travis Kelsey. They have one of the best coaches all time, Andy Reid. Um. Spags on the defensive end is going to do enough to keep the other offense at bay. I would pick the Chiefs right now to win the Super Bowl if I uh was you know going to put a hefty amount down, but I'm not going to. So if you can, I would highly suggest doing it. I just feel like the NFC, the way it looks, I think the Vikings are a little fraudulent. And I think a lot of people think that. I think the Eagles are fraudulent, too. I think the two teams out of the NFC right now are the Cowboys and the 49ers. And I think the only team that uh, can beat one of those two teams from the AFC is the Chiefs. So the Jets could be up there. Like, at 6-4, and with those two games against the Patriots you've played this year, like I said, an average quarterback one of those at least is a win and 7 and 3 is the division lead 8 and 2 is one number 1 in the AFC and like it's not crazy to say that you could have beat the patriots both times this season because they aren't better than us still we lost both games to a team that we are better than overall our offense is way better than the talent of the patriots the offensive line i know we're injured but they held their own in that game, man. Like, I think the Patriots had two sacks, both of them by Matthew Judon, who's the sack leader in the NFL. But we just can't pass the ball. And people will say, oh, but the Jets can't run the ball either. They ran the ball fine against Buffalo. They ran the ball fine for a couple weeks in a row. Obviously, the Patriots' defense also, another team that can can play with and beat any one of those teams besides the three that I named. Cowboys, 49ers, Chiefs. Because their defense is that good. Um, But we could have beat them both times. We really could have. Uh. So Zach Wilson goes 9 of 22 for 77 yards. 34 of them coming on a bad jump ball to Denzel Mims that he was able to come back for. So really the stats were a lot worse than that. And not only did he make news for, uh, how badly he played, he came out into the press conference and kind of deflected blame from himself. Uh, the the last, one of the last questions of the, um, of the press conference, asked him straight up, like, "Do you think you let the defense down?" And he just discarded, said no, looked away, and then it was a really bad look for Wilson. I think he must have immediately knew what he did after the after the press conference was over because he tried to meet with the coach, and on you know, fortunately for Jets fans and unfortunately for for the young man, by the time Robert Sala landed back in New York, he kind of. Took a step back from things he said and realized like, all right, we might need to be making a quarterback change here. Because, like I said, Zach Wilson at right now is the worst NFL quarterback in the league. Um, There's just no stepping around that. In terms of talent, I don't think he's lacking it in any way. But that's not all that matters in being a quarterback in the NFL. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady never had the best arm in the league. He never was the most mobile quarterback. But with the game on the line, you knew if you were on the other side, if I get this man the ball back, he's going to win. The same way right now, which it's different for Patrick Mahomes because he might be the most talented quarterback in the league too. But if you give that man a couple seconds, he will get the ball down the field and win you the game. Zach Wilson, you have to hold your breath when he throws the ball. It's a little bit different. Um, like I said, the talent, I think it's there. Like his arm when he steps into the throw and finishes with his feet, you know, square and shoulders square, like his arm is really good. His mechanics are worse than Sam Darnold and I never thought I would watch someone's mechanics go to shit worse than I watched that kid's mechanics go to shit. And somehow Sam, uh, Zach Wilson's mechanics have been worse. So I think Robert Sala made a fantastic move by just being like alright, first of all, the kid dug a hole for himself with what he said out to the game. Second of all, we are in a position where If we have a quarterback that comes in and can just throw the ball to open receivers, we can still compete for the Super Bowl this year. And like I said, maybe that's not actually going to happen. Maybe that's not even a realistic situation. But the defense is that good where you could stay in games with every single team in the NFL. Um. So the options right now are Joe Flacco or Mike White. Uh, Robert Sala didn't commit to either of them. I'm sure by the time this gets posted within... Before we go to sleep on Wednesday, the 23rd, you will know who the who the quarterback for the Jets will be. I think he'll name it tomorrow. Um, and I personally think it'll be Mike White that starts the game against Chicago because, I mean... If you look, since Zach Wilson's career started, so since Mike LaFleur has been the offensive coordinator, I think the Jets have thrown for 300 yards four times. Once was with Mike White against the Bengals last year. Once was with a Mike White-Josh Johnson game against the Colts the next week because... Mike White got hurt in the second quarter once was the Browns game this year with Joe Flacco, and the last was twenty for forty three three picks three hundred fifty five yards from Zach Wilson earlier in the season at MedLife against the Patriots so this you know there was there was a lot of heat for Zach Wilson on Twitter after the game. There was also a lot of heat for the play calling, and I think as the the all 22 film rolled out there and michael nania was one of the guys from the jets x factor uh website i believe who started posting the clips being like i don't think it's the i don't think it's the offensive coordinator guys i think the quarterback just either doesn't know the plays or can't hit the guys or is in too far in over his head me personally, you can go on to my Twitter account at Mike Contento twenty three. I was all over this from the beginning of this kid being mentioned as the number two pick. First of all, if you're a Jets fan, you're you remember we were just tanking for Trevor, like we were so close. And then the way that all happened is like, all right, now we have to really look at these quarterbacks. I felt like it should have been Justin Fields and Fields necessarily, like people are hyping up Fields. I don't think, I don't know. I think he's all right. I don't think he's as great as people are saying he is. He's definitely not bad though. Like he's definitely a lot better. He's definitely a lot better than Zach Wilson. He can run the ball. I think with, with the talent we have at the wide receiver and tight end position, he would be able to to engineer a pretty good offense for us. Um unfortunately he's on the Bears and we'll see him this week unless he gets ruled out for the season with his dislocated left shoulder. But um ah it it's it's rough to lose a game like that when you know that like I said, it's not like we needed some big-time performance from the quarterback. We just needed him to complete a couple passes, and he couldn't even do that. So, of course, the the Jets punt unit had to have lined up like 15 times in the game because there were a couple penalties where they had to re-kick. I think 11 or 12 total counted punts in the game, and of course the last one, Marcus Jones takes it to the crib. Um, like I said, one of the most brutal NFL games I've ever watched. Like, Because it, you just felt like during the game, like, holy crap, this kid is awful. If we had someone else out there right now, we could win. Maybe he can just get us down the field enough that we can win like 6-3 or 10-3, whatever it is. And then, you know, Braden Man kicks it in the middle of the field. Kind of start holding your breath as he's running down the sideline, I think once he got to like the forty and was sidestepping the sideline and started to cut it back, I knew what the fate was. I just closed my eyes, I listened to Kevin Harlan finish up his call, and I just went upstairs i I was watching with my brother. I couldn't even look at him man like for as big of a fan as I am, my brother's a bigger fan and I just couldn't look him in the face just knowing what we all what we had just seen for the last three hours to end that way. So my last point about the Jets, uh there's a kid out there who did a coin flip for every game this season before the season started. And he is still correct. He had the Jets six and four to this point. Every game that We have lost. He had as a loss. Every game we have won, he has had as a win. If you're interested in what's going to happen the next, or the last six games of the season, seven games of the season, well, he has a loss this week against the Bears. He has five wins straight after that, and he has a loss to the Dolphins in Week 18 to bring the Jets record to 11 and six for the season which would be pretty sick and then two wins in the playoffs and a loss in the AFC championship so we'll see if that kid knows something we don't like the Bears aren't the best team that we've played all season um and we should be able to handle them but that kid has us with a loss and he's been right about everything. Uh and listen, maybe uh I, I think the whole the story this week for the for the New York media has been not only is it do you bench Zach, but is it is Zach done? Personally, I I think that we were talking about this last uh the last time that we played the Patriots, like There's only one or two scenarios, or really one, in Josh Allen where someone has gotten significantly better at what was their weaknesses in college in the NFL. So me personally, yeah, I think Zach's done. But I don't think he's as bad as what we saw in these two Patriots games. I'm like, he hasn't done much in the the other games either. But like I said, the talent's there. He clearly has a tough time reading defenses. And I feel like that can be taught to you in some way. But I feel like the mechanics can go a long way. I feel like the mentality could go a long way. So maybe he's not fully done. I hope he's done for us. And I would like to see Mike White get a chance. Knowing that he isn't the lead, he isn't the more talented QB, but he will give these guys a chance to go out there and make plays, which is exactly what they want. Garrett Wilson was outspoken after the game. Elijah Moore obviously was outspoken for the last couple weeks. Um and now, you know, he more and more has looked right with his with his trade requests and everything that's gone on for the last few weeks because the quarterback can't get the receivers the ball and and these guys are really good. Um. so we have the Bears Uh, we'll see what happens like I said I believe he will name the starter at some point in the next 24 hours I'm recording this early morning Wednesday November 23rd so you should know uh, at some point later today heading over to baseball really quick the whole story has been that the Mets will not go after Judge on account of how Steinbrenner helped Steve Cohen get the ownership of the Mets. However, the Yankees got the Grom's medicals. First of all, I don't know if the Yankees getting the Grom's medicals means much. Like I don't think that, especially if their offer is on the table for Judge, I don't think they're going to offer any other big contract until they have an answer from Aaron judge. And if he says yes, obviously they're not really going to be able to offer someone else a big contract at all. So I think it's just kind of kicking the tires on every player that is out there that could help the team win. With that being said, like let's just live in this scenario where the unfortunate happens and Judges a giant. Jacob Degrom has missed so much time in the last two seasons. Like I know what I say about injuries and how it's like super fluky and you have no idea who it's gonna happen to at what time and all this shit. We already have one player that's thirty six million dollars in the rotation who's not worth it, and like I like I said, I came around on Garrett Cole, but thirty six million dollars for a pitcher is still not worth it in today's market. So to have two guys on your rotation, you just watched what happened on the other team last year. They had $75 million on the goddamn two pitchers in the rotation. One didn't pitch. The other got shelled in the playoffs. They didn't make it out of the wild card. Why the hell would you want that? And you're just begging. You are like, if, if it's very true that the Mets weren't going after Judge because of respect, but it wasn't discussed that the Yankees weren't, like, I'm sure when they did that, they were figuring you're not going to go after DeGrom. And Like, for me, and I know that this was said on the fan today, once the Yankees got DeGrom's medicals, I'm going in on an offer on Judge. Simple as that. You didn't, all you know, I tried to offer you respect. You didn't want to take it. Now I'm going to screw you, or I'm going to make you outbid me. Um, so that's what I would do if I was the Mets but moving along because I don't really want to talk about something that's not going to happen for another few few weeks or months judges in San Francisco for the holidays and meeting with the Giants so we'll see what happens there Jock Peterson was tweeting the Giants photoshops of Judge and all that stuff and so it's a Pretty rough time to be a New York baseball fan right now, but specifically the Yankees, because if we lose that guy, man, it is going to be a rough time around here. Um, So we will go over to the college football gridiron. Big week last week. Tennessee blown out by South Carolina, and Spencer Rattler somehow making some rumblings uh, in the first round of the NFL draft, potentially, after that game. Um, he had six touchdowns. So Tennessee, after such a great start, all but out of the college football playoff. Thanks for coming. Michigan, close game with Illinois. Um, Blake Corum hurt in that game. So I think he'll be all right. He's been saying he'll be all right for the game against Ohio State. We'll kind of see. Um, TCU, all-time classic. They could have tied the game with a late touch, you know, they had a late touchdown, went for two, running back dropped the ball, I thought it was over. They get the ball back. Uh They spike on second down with no timeouts, so I'm not even thinking like holy crap if they end up in bounds, like this is going to be a sprint on the field. But this is something that, if you're at a high level program, you practice every day at least three or four times to ensure, like, we will not screw this up if it has to be, if it comes to this. And clearly, TCU practiced that every day this entire season, a couple times a day, because that was beautiful execution. The kicker didn't even run and pace out the spots on the kick. They, You know, they run the ball with like 17 seconds. They run, you know, swap the field goal unit out there. The kicker runs to his spot, doesn't even line up the kick. Bang, gets it through. TCU with a one-point win at Baylor. So they are still at four. And just showing that, first of all, I think the Big 12 is a legit conference this year, probably better than the Big 10. Um, And I feel like they don't, deserve to get disrespected in any regard. I know the story is like, nobody wants to see TCU. Well, they just keep winning. So, like, you're going to see TCU if they keep doing this. Um, I think, like I said, I think the only conference they're not better than the Big 12 right this season right now is the SEC. Like, people are saying, oh, TCU has no chance. I'll tell you right now, TCU has a chance or is anyone. Georgia just played a 10-point game with Kentucky this week. So, automatically, TCU, with a month of preparation, a good team, a team that has stayed in every game and has pulled out every game, they have a chance. It's simple as that. Um, and I, I will root for them, I think, depending on who else gets there. But I want to root for TCU this year. Um, Like I said, Georgia didn't block. Kentucky it was 16-6. USC and UCLA played a classic uh, 48 45 UC, uh, USC. UCLA had the ball at the end of the game. Uh, DTR threw a pick with my UCLA plus two and a half bet for the pod on the line. But it was an all time classic. USC moves themselves up to six. So the rankings look like this Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, LSU moves up to five because they played UAB this week. Uh, USC is six, Bama's seven, Clemson's eight. So I think it's six teams for four spots. I think the loser of this week's game between Ohio State and Michigan is out. Um, I think Alabama's out too at seven. I think Clemson's out at eight because let's just say – Georgia beats LSU in the SEC chip. Whoever wins Ohio State, Michigan is uh whoever wins Ohio State, Michigan also finishes the Big 12 champion. So both of those teams are in automatically. TCU's in. Then it's either USC wins the Pac-12, they're in. Clemson. Would be like the last resort, but let's just say that they beat UNC and don't lose to South Carolina either. They're in. Or they use the loser of Michigan, Ohio State, especially if it's Ohio State, over Bama. So I think Bama's done. I think they're stuck. Um, I think LSU has to beat Georgia, obviously. They're not gonna get in as three loss team. Um I think Clemson's like the all out like everything gets messed up they'll be there for. So there is the one scenario though which I don't think will happen but it was brought up. Let's say that USC is the Pac-12 champion, TCU is an undefeated champion so they're automatically in. The winner of the game is the Big 10 champion undefeated so they're automatically in and Georgia loses to LSU, what do you do? So they were showing the stat that the conference champion with one or zero losses has gotten in uh, like 85 or 89% of the time. So based on those numbers, you would think, obviously, the undefeated champions are in, but USC would be in as well. So then it would be, did LSU win? Like, if LSU wins... And as the big, and as the SEC champion with two losses, do they get in over Georgia, who was undefeated and had one loss? And I think the answer is you have to do that. Like, you have to let, what are you playing the SEC championship for if that scenario happens and Georgia still makes it over LSU? That's just wrong. LSU's resume is better than Georgia's. Georgia's big resume building wins are Oregon the first week of the season and Ellis, and excuse me and Tennessee. LSU has beaten Ole Miss Alabama. I know that they lost to Tennessee. I know that they lost the first week as well. But like I said, what are you playing the SEC championship for if that specific scenario plays out? and Georgia makes it over LSU. So um, the way I kind of think it shakes out, I think USC loses either to Notre Dame or the the Pac-12 championship. I think they lose one of those two games. Um, I think Georgia beats LSU. I think whoever wins... And I'm not even sure who wins. I do have a pick on the game, but I'm not sure who's going to win. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think it could go either way. I think the undefeated champion of the Big Ten is in. I think the undefeated champion, TCU, which is what I think will happen, is in. And I guess that honestly leaves a pretty interesting scenario. Because then your options are Clemson... A two-loss Bama, or a one-loss loser of this game between Michigan and Ohio State, and I honestly think, based on that, you'd have to put in Clemson. And I don't want to see Clemson play. Like I hope that UNC ruins their season and makes it an interesting choice for the for the committee to either put in Bama, or put in the loser of the Big Ten uh game in in Columbus this weekend, but. That's just kind of what I think. I think someone has to make it. I think Georgia will will be able to take care of LSU. They're already a fifteen point favorite in that game. I think, like I said, whoever wins this Michigan Ohio State game will roll Iowa. I don't think Iowa's too great this year. TCU, they'll be fine against Iowa against Iowa State this week. I'm sure they would rather play Texas instead of. Baylor, based on the way those two games went down the stretch. And I think they'll be able to get in and be undefeated. I think USC loses. So, hey, maybe maybe Oregon at nine, if they're the champion, they get in at four like with two losses. But really, you have to only think of it as one because I just feel like first week of the season with a new head coach is just unfair to play Georgia, but Hey, we'll see what happens if we get to that point. Right. So that will leave us with the final segment of the show, which is the picks. And excuse me. I don't think I ever did my Thanksgiving list, but it's a perfect time to do it right before the picks. So top five things that happen on Thanksgiving. Number five, is the turkey bowl slash the game between courses with your family so uh personally for me this is this is two different entities but i feel like they deserve to go under the same umbrella um a couple of the guys get together and i'm sure it's anywhere anywhere in america get together play the football game with their friends, but also for my family personally, like we had a bunch of cousins that were college football players growing up. We, I remember looking forward to Thanksgiving just to be able to get out there and throw the rock around with them. Um, so the Turkey bowl slash the game with your family between meals or between food is that number five. I just feel like football brings people together. I personally love it. Uh, I remember like our moms used to say, like, don't get the the fit dirty. We still have to take the Christmas picture. So we weren't allowed to like, you know, dive on the pavement or on the grass or anything like that. But two great things that that are surrounded Thanksgiving um, then and deserve to be on the list there at five. Number four is your pre like your your appetizer courses slash for Italians, it's the antipasto and all that. Um, at Thanksgiving, personally and where I go, we have a soup, we have pasta, we have an antipast and then the dinner comes out. And actually the antipasto is obviously before the soup and the pasta, but um, I mean, that it's great. It's great for people who don't like, you know, who are either don't eat meat or don't like turkey or like, you know, maybe for you, it's something different because you're a different culture. But for us that I look forward to that every year for us, it's either pea soup or i it might be chicken noodle but i I don't think we go that plain to be honest with you um like I said, pasta, no matter what day it is it's always gonna be good um and just general appetizers as well uh the pasta dish great, and then you know we we get after it for the for the the dinner as well, but I feel like the the earlier courses set the tone for the day. And that deserves to be on the list at four. Three, the ham. The ham has to be there because a lot of people don't like the turkey. Personally, I think ham is like the holiday meal or holiday meat specifically. I have it on Easter, I have it on Christmas Day, I have it on obviously Thanksgiving the only day you can't have it especially if you are the you know italian american culture like i am which involves only fish and pasta really on christmas eve i think ham is up there and is is a go to on a holiday other than than christmas eve so the ham being there for the non turkey lovers at number 3 the number 2 Greatest thing to happen on Thanksgiving, the Cowboys game starting as the tipsiness also starts. Cowboys will kick off at 4.30. You're usually, for us, at least two hours into your day and one meal, but that also means you're two and a half hours into the drinking for the day. Um, And it's just a great time. Like, First of all, the Cowboys are always in a good game. Uh, I think I'm going to say the stat when I pick the game in a couple seconds, but they haven't covered, I know, only one time in the last 11 years. So they're usually losing and they're usually a team that you like to root against. Um, you know, the stadium is just aesthetically pleasing on TV, you know, the way that the stadium is built, like the lights coming in. So it's, it's a beautiful scene. They have the, some of the best jerseys in the NFL. They're a little bit drunk, you're with your family, you're eating, it's a great time. 4.30 on Thanksgiving, Cowboys, tipsiness, number two. Number one, and I I know people might say it's a little sentimental, but being with the people that you love on Thanksgiving is number one. I hope that you guys all get out and get to be with your family members. Hopefully, you know, everybody is in good health this year, unfortunately. For my family, it cannot be said, but I hope that you guys all enjoy Thanksgiving. Um, It's really, you know, like I said, with all the the previous numbers, um, it's great that we have all this. It's great that, you know, the Cowboys will play, the Lions will play, the Vikings will play, whatever. But the best part about Thanksgiving is getting to be there with your family, with your loved ones. Uh, even if it's not said uh, just getting to be around each other being thankful for each other's presence all that good stuff Um, I hope that you guys just kind of take that in but instead of thinking about it as as a great day a day off whatever it is uh, because you only live once man so you got to smell the flowers while you can Um, so number one being around the people you, you love on Thanksgiving. Like I said, I hope you guys all have a fantastic Thanksgiving. And I know one way that you could have a fantastic Thanksgiving, especially if you bet responsibly with the FanDuel book, And please do not gamble money that you don't have. But um, there's some good lines here, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. The Lions are the first game at 1230 on Thanksgiving the lions are winners of three straight. I love Dan Campbell, I love the team. Um on the other side is the Bills. The Bills have been in Detroit since Saturday because they played um they played their their most recent game with the Browns there after a 6-foot snow storm in Buffalo. So I think with the Unconventionalness of this week for the Bills. I think the fact that the Lions have been playing very well since the bye. They're, like I said, winners of three straight, and all three of those games, they were underdogs. The spread is nine and a half. The Bills have really played, I mean, they've played a one-possession game basically the entire season, so nine and a half is too much for me. The Lions are home. The Lions fans, I mean, they've are pretty similar to the Jets, a very good, loyal fan base, a team that has been begging for wins for a couple of years now, and now three in a row, a chance to maybe sneak into a playoff spot, depending on what some of these teams in front of them are doing. I think they'll be, they'll be up for the test. I think they'll be able to keep it within a touchdown. I don't know if they'll be able to beat the Bills, but crazier things have happened, so... Lions plus nine and a half to start it off. And I apologize to the Giants fans, but the 430 game, the one that made the list, the Cowboys minus nine and a half is the pick. Giants fans, I think I hate to say that we all knew that the Giants just aren't the best team we've ever seen. And they're seven and three. They deserve that. They've worked hard for that, they've earned that. But they just had, and I think with no injuries, like this could be a legit game, but Wondell Moore and Adoree Jackson, the best receiver and best corner are the next on the list. To add to Xavier McKinney, uh, Aziz Ojolari, so your top pass rusher, your safety, your starting safety. Evan Neal is limited, so he might play, he might not. Um... And the Cowboys, man, like they came off of a game with the Vikings where they just blew them out of the water. I don't know how much. I don't know. Like like the Giants just came off of a game where they gave up 31 points to the Lions. Cowboys offense is better than that. And the Giants have injuries. It's going to be tough to go in there against this Giants. I mean, against the Cowboys defense and really get to work for the Giants. Like everybody knows that Saquon Barkley is going to carry the ball 31 times. I just don't see it against this Cowboys defense where he has a game good enough to keep moving the chains, keep the Dallas offense off the field and help the Giants cover this number. So I'm going Cowboys minus nine and a half. I know the Cowboys have only covered once in the last 11 games on Thanksgiving, but the Cowboys are wearing white helmets with a blue star like old school. I'm a big believer if you win the uniform battle, you can play better. And that is just a sick sick jersey combination there. I also love Tony Pollard so much, like, and he's on my fantasy team, so... I, I would really like to see him get more of the touches than Zeke and kind of go off in this game after especially last week where he had uh, two touchdowns, 100 receiving yards, 85 rushing yards. So would like to see him get after it. And I think the Cowboys are just a wagon right now. I know they lost to the Packers, but that is a First of all, the Packers are a little bit better than their record. Second of all, you – have the former head coach of the Packers as your coach it's always going to be hard to go back and beat that team um so I think the Cowboys are pretty legit nine and a half is pretty reasonable and I just think the Giants if there were no injuries yeah it'd be a pretty good game but there are a lot of injuries and I don't think they'll be able to keep it up sorry Giants fans Last but not least, I think this one's gonna surprise some people, but I'm going Patriots money line and under 42 in the last game. Kirk in primetime is three and five overall. Two of those wins are against the Bears. This season he's 0-1 in primetime against the Eagles. He threw three picks in that game. Um I think he can only like I it's crazy, but I legitimately think he can only play well at one o'clock. I it's he even in the four o'clock game this week, he wasn't great. In his career against the Patriots, he's 0-2. His team has never put up more than 10 points. His starting left tackle, Christian Darasaw, is out. Um, And the Patriots defense has not given up a touchdown the entire month. I also like under 42. I don't know if I mentioned that, but like I said, Kirk has not put up more than 10 against bill the Patriots offense isn't really that great like I think the running backs are good I think the offensive line is all right David Andrews did go down in the game against the Jets last week so I think he'll be out for the season based on the way he was getting off the field but I mean Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris still should be able to get enough in this game that the Patriots can win Kirk probably throws them the ball once or twice um I think the public side is going to be the Vikings, which makes me want to bet the Patriots more. And those are the three games on Thanksgiving. Now, I said in the beginning of the episode that when we got to this point, I was just going to rapid-fire pick the rest of the games in the NFL. The reason why I want to do that is my record is 18-28-3. and three. Is that the actual number? I think it's actually worse than that. It is eight 18 and 3. So I know off of the top of my head without really doing the math that the percentage is under 30%. Um, It's really bad, folks. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's not. And that's exactly why I'm picking every game because either I help you guys out or I write the ship all in one week. So let's do it. First game on the ESPN docket. Um, And I'm just hoping that their numbers are the same as the duel because who knows? Maybe we'll get sponsored by the duel one day. Um, That would be pretty cool. It's Bears-Jets because I'm subscribed to the Jets stuff on ESPN. So The number is telling me four and a half in favor of the Jets. I'm going to pick the Bears. I just told you what my record is. I would love to be wrong about this one on purpose. Um Listen, there is a scenario where like Mike White comes in and he's just not much better than Zach Wilson and and we have problems with Justin Fields and the fact of the matter also is that the coin flip guy has been right every week, and he has the Bears. So to be, and like I said, I was going to go rapid fire. So Bears plus four and a half. Buccaneers, Browns. Buccaneers are three and a half point favorites. I'm going to go with the Browns. They're the home team. They have covered a lot of overs, so they're putting up a lot of points. On the other side, the Buccaneers offensive line has been so garbage all season that and I know they played better in Germany, but um, I think a lot of people will take the Buccaneers in this one, and it'll be a Browns triumph in Cleveland. Bengals-Titans. Bengals are one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Tennessee. I'm going Tennessee. I love Derrick Henry. The Bengals just gave up 30 points to the Steelers. Traylon Burks had a nice game on Thursday night last week in Green Bay. The Titans' offensive coordinator did get arrested for a DUI, so maybe that's the reason the line's like that, but I expect the Titans to win that game. Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee. Miami and the Texans. Miami's a 13-point favorite. I'm going to go Miami. Coming out of the bye, the Texans have nobody who can cover Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell. Um... And Dolphins defense is alright enough that the Texans offense isn't going to do much. Um, Miami minus thirteen. Falcons and Commanders. The Commanders are four point favorites. I'm going Falcons plus four. Um, Cordell Patterson in the game last week became the all time kick return touchdown leader. Shout out to CP. Four points. It just feels like a game that will be decided by a field goal. Like these are two teams right in the thick of it because the Falcons are only a half game back of the division with the Bucks. The Commanders are only one game or two game, no, one game, I believe, out of a playoff spot in the NFC wildcard race. Um the Commanders have been playing better with Taylor Heineke as a starter. He still is a starter, played another good game against the Texans last week. But the Falcons have just been in every game this year. Like, I don't think the Commanders are much better than the Falcons. Um, I don't know much about the Falcons' defense to say that they'll be able to stop the running attack and Terry McLaurin for the Commanders, but like I said, I just feel like it's a field goal game either way. Washington's favored by four, so we'll go with the with the Falcons. Broncos and Panthers. Panthers are two and a half point home dogs, and I'm taking them. The dog is hot in the NFL this year. I think the record is 81, 61, and 5. Um, and I have a couple of them on this on this list already. Uh the Broncos are a disaster, man. They are really freaking bad. The Panthers are starting Sam Darnold. I would just love Sam Darnold to, like, I don't want to say revitalize his career because I don't think there's much of a career for him other than being an NFL backup. But it would be so sweet to watch him win this game. Like, the Broncos would be a legit team if they could score and they can't. And the fact that that it's because Russell Wilson stinks is even better. Um, So I'm going to go with the Panthers plus two and a half. I love it. Ravens, Jaguars. Ravens are four and a half or four, excuse me, just flat. Four point road favorites. I'll take them. I think the Jaguars are not great. I know the Ravens played pretty poorly against the Panthers, only beat them by 10, 13, 3 last week. Um, But the Jaguars' defense isn't good think they'll have a tough time. It'll be another week for Mark Andrews to get fully healthy and get back involved in the passing game. And I would like the Ravens, especially given the fact that I have Lamar Jackson in fantasy, I'd like the Ravens to get back on the right track here. Um, Chargers and Cardinals. Chargers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Ooh. This one's a tough one. If it's Colt McCoy, I want the Cardinals, so I'm gonna go Cardinals plus four and a half. Maybe that number goes up if Kyler Murray is ruled out again this week. I know the Cardinals just got toasted, but the Chargers' defense is so bad, like on all on all fronts. The only good player they have is Derwin James and Joey Bosa. The rest of the team on defense is garbage. They'll give up a lot of rushing yards to James Conner. DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sure, we will have a big game. The Chargers are just, they're so, they'll win games, but they'll win games by a field goal. And they'll lose games and either lose them by a field goal or a touchdown. It's, it's like, you can write it down every week. So I'm going to go Cardinals, plus four and a half, as the home team. Raiders, Seahawks. Seahawks are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I'm going Seahawks. They're off the bye after their Germany game. Tariq Willen is one of the best corners in the league this year as a rookie. Not saying that he'll stop Devontae Adams, but they'll slow him down enough. Um, Josh McDaniels, since starting 6-0 and as a head coach in the NFL, is like... Two and twenty-four or something like that, or three and twenty-four. But two of those wins are against the Broncos this season. So, um, like, and as we have said, the Broncos are just so bad. I think the Seahawks could legitimately scare a team in the playoffs, especially if they're the home team. So, I like them. I like Geno. I like the offense. The defense is good. They'll be good enough to beat the Raiders. Seahawks minus three and a half. Rams Chiefs, the Rams are on the backup quarterback at three and seven. The Chiefs are the best team in the NFL at eight and two. Well, at least in the AFC by record, but I feel like they're better than the Eagles. They are fourteen and a half point favorites. I'm gonna go with the Chiefs minus 14 and a half i uh, i don't have any reasoning because i know that with a number like that it just all that has to happen necessarily could be a rams opening score like whatever it is something could happen enough that uh they they could find themselves in a game um but i i like the chiefs i feel like No one's going to guard Travis Kelsey if he scores three times. 14 and a half shouldn't be a problem. The Rams have been a disaster after their Super Bowl last year. And we move on to the next game. Saints and 49ers. Niners, nine-point favorite. Over-under is 43. Take the over. The Saints' defense is bad. The Saints' offense puts up good points in garbage time. They did score a lot this week, twenty-seven points against the Rams, but it's the Rams. Um. Yeah, I, I feel like over forty-three is probably the best bet because see, uh, Niners minus nine, just it doesn't feel great, honestly. The Saints, like I said, I feel like they could get in that back door, but I'll go, I'll go Niners because I've picked every game against the spread. They just blew out the Cardinals. I've been saying that they're the NFC favorite for a few weeks now. Um, the offense is scary with Kittle, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo, uh, the fullback, Juszczyk, Uh, and the defense speaks for itself. So we'll go on, uh, excuse me, over. Now, take it, Take the total off because actually with the 49ers defense playing the way it is, not sure I want that. We'll take Niners minus nine as the final answer and the final non-prime time pick. Eagles at home versus the Packers minus seven. Give me Green Bay. The Eagles just played a one-point game with the Colts. Uh I think they're overrated. I'm gonna stay with that trend. The Packers, I've been saying, are better than the four and seven record. Um It feels like Philadelphia is in a one score game pretty frequently. I just think seven points is too much against Aaron Rodgers against any team anytime, anywhere, because I mean, you saw the way that they played against the Cowboys. like. But this kid, Christian Watson, emerging like this, they've shown that they can go down the field. and Aaron Jones is pretty good. He can run the ball. I think the Eagles' run defense specifically is a little overrated. I think they'll be able to run the ball on them. I'm going to go Packers plus seven. Final pick. What a doozy we got on Monday night, folks. Colt Steelers. Colts two and a half point favorites. Jeff Saturday has been an interesting story since he took over, uh, for Frank Reich on November seventh. So just sixteen days ago, he went with a win against the Vegas Raiders, then lost by one point on like the last drive of the game to the Eagles. Um. So. Seemingly a good leader of men so far. I mean, a lot of people were not happy with the hire, but I'm going to go Colts minus two and a half. Uh, I think the Steelers are pretty garbage. I mean, they've only beaten you know, they beat the Saints, they beat the Tampa Bay Bucks. Not sure who the other win is. The Colts, on the other hand they took Matt Ryan out of the lineup. So obviously against new England, it was going to be a rough time for Sam Ellinger. Um, but when Matt Ryan's played, like they're four, four and one, I feel like that's an, that's a winnable game. Um, and I, I like just Saturday to be completely honest with you. I didn't really have much of a take when he was hired. Cause I just was like, all right, like, Clearly, it's an unconventional move. But he's just the interim coach. We'll see how he does. And then right now, I mean, one-point game with the number one team in the league in terms of record and a win. Not a bad start. So believe that will be all for the NFL slate. Now I've got five college games to wrap up the Go Be Great episode number 21, the Thanksgiving special. Honestly, I feel like I did not too bad on time for the amount of things I covered in this episode. I'm guessing it's going to end at about one forty-five mark. Maybe I'm a little off. I hope I'm not. But Thursday night, the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss minus two, over unders fifty-nine. I like Ole Miss in the over. I know that Lane Kiffin has been on, has been like in the news potentially taking the Auburn job. Um, you know, it was actually reported by the Mississippi TV, like channel that he was gone and he responded to the guy being like, your sources stink. I'm not leaving. So that'll be interesting when he takes the job next week. And you'll look back at those tweets being like, oh my God, dude, can't believe you actually did that. I think they send him out on a win, um, based on the numbers. Over 59 feels pretty good because neither team's defense is necessarily great. Ole Miss just ran for 450 yards in a game against uh, Arkansas that they lost. So I feel like between Quinshawn Judkins, Zach Evans, and Jackson Dart, the two running backs and the quarterback for Ole Miss, they'll be able to score more. And, I mean, they play at a rapid pace. So over 59 with two good offenses and a fast pace. I like that number. feel like Ole Miss is the home team. You send, you know, they're a little bit of a better team as well that has played, you know, the loss to Alabama is what it is. Like, you could lose that game. No one's going to be like, oh, shit, that was a bad loss. But the bad loss was last week with Arkansas for sure. I think they try to get on the right ship, and we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Ole Miss... Locker room is distracted by what's going on, um, but I think they'll be able to take it out on Friday, 3 30 p.m. Missouri and Arkansas at Missouri. Line is three in favor of Arkansas. I'm going to go Missouri money line. Missouri's five and six, so this game is to get into the bowl season for them. They are four and two at home. The two losses are to Georgia and Kentucky, so two teams that are a lot better than Arkansas. And they lost those games by a combined eight points. Um, their defense is one of the best in the country. The only team that really lit them up was Tennessee, and that was the week after they lost to Georgia, so it makes sense. Um, and I just think Arkansas is not that great. It seems like Missouri's defense, their strength is taking away the run. Arkansas' strength is running the ball. We'll see who prevails. I like Missouri in the home team. So, First two picks, Ole Miss minus two. Missouri money line. Now we are on Saturday with the traditional three picks. The game, Michigan, Ohio State. It's another granddaddy of them all. You live for it. Michigan plus seven and a half. That's the line I'm taking. I'm sorry, Ohio State fans, but I just want to say Michigan has been the more dominant team the whole year. It's simple as that. Their defense is better. Their rushing attack is better. I know Blake Coram's hurt, but the kid's a dog. He'll find a way to get in that game. Um, The fact that Michigan's defense looks like this and they replaced multiple NFL talent from last year says a lot about them. Ohio State in the last four games have played three close ones with Northwestern, Maryland, and Penn State not playing their best ball right now. Michigan plus seven and a half, folks. Like, I could, it could be an Ohio State win still, but I don't think it's going to be more than seven points either way. So, Michigan plus seven and a half is my pick in the game. Twelve o'clock at Ohio State. Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt on the call. Twelve o'clock, gonna be must watch TV. Notre Dame and USC. I believe this game's at seven o'clock or seven thirty. Notre Dame's a five and a half point dog. They're ranked 15th in the country. They went 0 2 to start, but they've been pretty damn good since, except for a one slip up with Stanford, weirdly enough. Um USC's coming off a 48 point game. I'm gonna take Notre Dame plus five and a half for the sole fact that USC is gonna go is going through a gauntlet right now. Um this is a team that they're not familiar with like it's an out of conference team. It's a defensive minded coach. Um that's playing a lot better since, you know, the midway or yeah, we'll say the midway point of the season. They've been playing very good actually. Well, this is another one. I think either way like it's a field goal game. USC just played a great offensive game and one by one field goal, so <clears throat> I think Notre Dame's defense will be a lot better than UCLA's. I think USC is going to find it a little bit harder to move the ball. I think Notre Dame probably doesn't have as much offensive firepower as UCLA did, but they'll control the game a little bit more. I like Notre Dame plus five and a half. Final one, Washington and Washington State over 61. Because why wouldn't we have a ten thirty game on the third straight day of gambling? These are two rivals. Obviously, it's rivalry week. Washington's averaging 40 points a game and a very fast pace. They also convert very well on third down, which is important. Washington State beat them by 27 last year. So I think there's one of two ways this works out. And also, Washington is 7-3 and one to the over. I expect them to control the pace. So either A, they blow out Washington State. They do about 50 points themselves because they're averaging 40 this year. And Washington State just has to put up two touchdowns. I feel like they'll be able to do that. B, I think it's a close shootout. And then in that case, over 61 will be easy. So I like over 61. Folks, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate all the love and support that I get every week. It's really one of the only reasons that i keep this shit going because it's not like i don't love doing it it's not like i don't want to do it for a career but obviously it gets pretty tough to put stuff out every week knowing that it's a small amount of people listening so the small amount of people that are listening and giving a lot of support love criticism feedback whatever the hell it is it is so greatly appreciated like i said it's what keeps the pod going so I'm going to be looking at how I can improve this shit going forward. I know I keep saying, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. The quote-unquote producers and I have been talking the last few weeks, which really are just the guys that I've been saying are supporting the pod. And we'll see what we can do to make it better. Maybe a YouTube. Maybe we'll see. Maybe some guests. Maybe a little bit of both. Um, So I want to thank you guys, like I said, for tuning into this one, for tuning into the 20 before it, for hopefully tuning into the next however many that will go out after it. Um, And I hope you guys all enjoy your Thanksgiving. Like I said, it's a great day to kind of step back from everything going on in life, realize how great um, everything is and what you should be thankful for and the people you should be thankful for it's great to eat football uh eat football it's great to eat and watch football as well um so i really hope you guys enjoy your day tomorrow on thanksgiving um and go be great